This is a book of Psalms uh, 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This has been a reading from the Holy Bible. Praise be to God. You guys can have a seat. So we're going to continue our series that we've been in. Powerful prayers for a week. People, this is week five. Prayers that we can pray, specific practical prayers that we can pray to partner with the Holy Spirit who is at work in us to transform us, to change us, to mold us, to grow us. Uh, weak people because we are weak. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot uh, grow ourselves. So we partner with the Spirit's work through these simple, practical, powerful prayers. Uh, week one was fill me with your spirit. Week two was restore my hope. Week three was, was grant me wisdom. And then last week, reassure me of your love. That was for Father's Day. Reassure me of your love because we need it because we're weak people and we doubt and we struggle. Uh, we're going to take this series up until July 23rd. The following week, we're going to start a new series through the book of Proverbs. We're going to go through the book of Proverbs together for the month of August. Uh, we're going to be reading a chapter a day, 31 days in Proverbs, 31 days in August. Works pretty well. We're going to have five sermons throughout that series. So uh, plan to be a part of that, whatever re Bible reading plan you're doing, uh, plan to factor Proverbs in for the month of August. Uh, today, the prayer that we're going to talk about is search me. The psalmist, David, just asked God to search me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, he is not saying to God, I'm going to allow you to see into my heart because right now you don't know. No, he's saying, God, I know that you know the depths of my heart, and I'm inviting you to sift it, mess with it, bring to light what needs to be brought to light, expose what needs to be addressed, show me what needs to be repented of. Because sometimes we know what's going on in our hearts, and sometimes we don't know, right? Sometimes we're aware of addictions or uh, a bad temper that we may have. And sometimes we're not unaware that people-pleasing is driving us or, or fear of, of, of the loss of control is driving us. Sometimes we're unaware. Other people might be able to see it. And yet, as much as they try to point it out, we're defensive and we're like, no way, you don't know what you're talking about. So if we say, God, search my heart, show me what's going on inside of here and we can pray that sincerely, then God is faithful to show us and bring things to the surface. And if we're going to be an authentic church that we talk about being, if we're going to be an authentic church where we say, God, I need your grace to touch every nook and cranny of my soul and impact every area of my life, then we need to pray prayers like this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, what are we asking him to search? I'm going to give four broad categories that we can invite God to search our heart for. And you can take notes or not take notes. Um, maybe one or two of these will, will stand out to you. But we're going to walk through four broad categories that we can ask God to search our heart for. To sift around for. Are you guys ready? You guys a little off because we're in a new location? Yeah, yeah. So let me pray. Lord... Help us not be off. Help us to hear from you uh, 
and, and, and God, I pray that as a result of this sermon and this psalm, that we would be a church that follows David's lead this week in inviting you to search our heart. The um, current trend of mindfulness is not new. Uh, this is something that uh, you invite us to do and have for many, many, many years, as David shows us right now, to be aware of what's going on in our heart, what drives us. So God, I pray for everyone in here, including the tech team, including the ushers, including those on camera, that they would not be too distracted by the logistics of serving our church, but can hear from you. I pray for our teenagers, and I pray for our old people, and I pray for everyone in between. In your name, amen. All right, first broad category. What do we ask God to search our hearts for? Number one, fears and anxieties. We're asking God to search our hearts for fears and anxieties. I can wake up sometimes and not know what's going on but feel anxious. God, what am I anxious about? And so I take a moment in the morning before I even get in the Bible. By the way, there's a good time to do it. Before you jump into the Bible so that you don't just open up your Bible to check it off the list or that, so that you don't read the Bible as an encyclopedia, ask God, God, what's going on in my heart? What, what am I anxious about? And he's faithful to show me, oh, you know, this situation that I was anxious about yesterday, I'm not anxious about it anymore. But now I'm anxious about this meeting coming up. But why? Why am I afraid? Why am I feeling this? Here's a few reasons why we might have fear and anxiety. Fear of losing control. I may not be in control here. Or um, my kids, a young adult, and they're moving out, and I'm feeling anxious because I can't hover over them like I used to be able to do. So I'm feeling anxious, Lord. God's faithful to show us. Fear of failure. Here's another one. Maybe there's a fear of failure nagging at your soul. You don't know it's there until you ask the Lord to search you. Show me, Lord. How about fear of rejection? This is another one. Sometimes we're in conflicts with people. Conflict is another great time to ask the Lord to search your heart. God, what's going on in my heart right now? I'm in this conflict. I'm feeling anxious. Why? Maybe it's because I'm, fe I'm, I'm fearing rejection. I need to have a hard conversation, but what if they reject me as a result of it? Or I'm feeling rejected by them already, and I don't know how to win them over. I've tried every which way, and this relationship is still broken. Maybe at the root of that is a fear of rejection. And God's faithful to show us if that's driving us so that we can take those anxieties and cast them onto him, as Peter invites us to do in his, in his epistle. So that's one broad category. Search my heart for fears and anxieties. What am I worried about right now? What am I bothered about? Second broad category, and by the way, all these categories overlap, and you'll, you'll see how they overlap is search me for pride. Search me for pride. Where is pride lurking in my heart? Because listen, listen, listen. <clears throat> hey, Jeff, can you make it so that when I go to these broad categories, the first one doesn't pop up right away? Thanks. Um, pride is sneaky and subtle. Pride is like when you wear a hat. When we wear a hat, we can't see the hat, right? You can see other people's hats, you can't see your own hat when you're wearing it, unless you're looking in the mirror. And pride is sneaky and subtle like that. It, in its nature, it blinds us to itself in us. We can see pride in other people, right? Right? You can see pride in other people. Oh, my goodness. 
can't believe they're so self-righteous and judgmental. But we can't see it in ourselves. And so we ask God, search my heart for pride. Show me. Is there any offensive pride in me? And here's a few examples of how pride might manifest. Fault finding is the first. We're fault finders. Anybody know a fault finder? We know fault finders. Yeah, we know people who are extra critical, hypercritical. I was having a conversation recently with a friend, nobody in here, don't worry, who everybody's an a-hole. Everybody. And I was like, do you know that everybody's an a-hole? And they're like, well, not you. And I was like, I don't even know if you don't call me that behind my back. But then I had to realize that, you know what? I can be fault finder too sometimes. I can come home and I just see a bunch of things that are wrong in the home. Why is she doing that? Why don't we got this? Like I can easily fall into that, that, that ditch of fault finding. And what is fault finding declaring? What is it declaring on a fundamental level? Where I draw the line is where everybody else should be. Right? When we're fault finders, that's what we're doing. Another example of how pride can, can be sneaky and subtle. Superficiality. This is where we're worried about our image. Where we, so we'll address behaviors that other people can see because that can make us look better, but we won't address the, the, the issues in our hearts that other people can't see. We're superficial. We're shallow. I'll, I'll make it so that I look good on the outside, right? Christians can be really good at this. Hmm? We know the sins that other people are going to be like, oh, shame on you for, but the stuff that's like everybody winks at, I'll get away with. I'm not going to address it. Defensiveness. Hard for other people to correct us or confront us or point stuff out. We're very defensive. We have an answer for everything. We're slow to apologize. If you have a hard time apologizing, it might be because you're defensive and underneath that because there's pride. You have to be right. I've noticed that for certain people, I can be extra defensive. Why? Because there are some, for some reason, in a place where I feel like I have to prove myself to them. And if I feel like I have to prove myself, then if they point out a wrong, I have to be quick to defend it. No, 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 no. But you don't understand, see? Let me explain it. Hmm? Let me justify it. Another example is we're desperate for attention. Maybe this, this is uh, in the form of uh, we can never say no. We, we have a hard time saying no to people because we need people to need us. Right? We need people to need us. We can't say no because we like the attention we get when people say, wow, thanks for coming through for me. Maybe it's on social media. If you post so much or you post certain things, it might be because you want the likes and the comments because you're desperate for attention. And underneath that is pride. Now, some of you might say, well, that's insecurity. Insecurity is rooted in pride. High self-esteem, like a, a overly high self-esteem, overly low self-esteem, all of that's rooted in a focus on me. Me, me, desperate for attention. So those are some ways that pride might be manifesting. So we ask God, God, search my heart. Where is pride showing up? Maybe in our anxieties from the first category, we are trying to deal with those anxieties in a prideful way. They overlap. They go together. Let's go to the next category, number three. Search me for lies I'm believing. So, if you are not a follower of Jesus, then my belief is, and you're welcome here, first of all, let me be clear. 
But my belief is that, okay, there's a lie you're believing about God. You're not seeing truth about Jesus. But even for those of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus, we still believe lies about God. We say the right things. We'll sing the right things. But if we're honest, if we allow God to search our hearts, we might see that sometimes we slip into these uh, lies and stay stuck there. A settled unbelief that is affecting us emotionally or relationally. Here's a few examples of lies we might be believing about God. God can't satisfy. I'll sing about how God's presence is so good, God's presence is like heaven, and then I'm quick to say I'm bored. And when I'm bored or I'm feeling this anxiety in my soul, instead of going to God's presence to satisfy me and fulfill me and calm me, I run to video games, or I run to drinking, or I run to the fridge. I run to anything else to calm my nerves because God can't satisfy me. Another lie, God is holding out on me. This was one of the first lies believed in the garden, Adam and Eve. The devil says to Adam and Eve, don't you know if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. In other words, you can have it even better than you already do, but God doesn't want that for you. Sometimes we fall into this. If God really loved me, he'd make it so that I wasn't single anymore. He's holding out on me. If God really loved me, he'd give me that promotion. I, I'm entitled to that promotion. I didn't get it. God must be holding out on me. How do we know when we fall into this trap? Well, when there's a, like an anger slash bitterness towards God, if we're honest with ourselves, if there's anger and bitterness there, oftentimes... It's because we believe the lie that God is holding out on us. He is not giving us what we believe we're entitled to. Why did my parents say no to this? God, you're holding out on me. I could have better parents, but you gave me them. It's not fair. God can't redeem this. This situation's too far gone. This relationship's too far gone. There's, there's, there's too many hurts that have piled up. God can't fix this. My, my adult son or daughter is too stuck in addiction. God can't redeem this. My marriage is too far gone. Those are lies that we fall into. And so if we're believing those lies, sometimes we don't know it. So again, we have to ask God, God, search my heart for the lies I'm believing. Show me. Show me the offensive lies that I'm believing about you so I can repent of that. Turn. Trust more fully in you. You are a redeemer. You do come through. You do take all things and cause them to work together for my good. I'm trusting that. I'm believing that. Another lie, God's not gracious. We'll say he's gracious. We believe he's gracious. But really, if we screw up and then we feel like we can't go to him in prayer, that's a sign that we really don't believe he's that gracious. If, if something bad happens and we're worried that, oh, no, God must be punishing me, that's a sign that we're believing the lie that God's not gracious. And we f I fall into this trap. I'll sometimes say to myself, ah, oh, you stupid idiot. I find myself saying that, ah, oh, you dumb idiot. Sometimes I'll curse at myself. And then God's faith will be like, hey, where's that coming from? Is it because I don't believe God's gracious? I may have screwed up. I may have dropped a ball. I may have failed to come through in an area where I thought I was 
was going to come through on. But is God shaking his head going, man, I can't believe I saved this one. I guess I got to let him into the family because he trusted in Jesus, but I kind of wish he didn't. I kind of wish he wasn't in the family. If I was honest, sometimes I get stuck in that lie. Anybody else? Me and Bill. Me, <laughs> me Bill, Steve, and Matt. Last one I'll, I'll mention, last example. God won't intervene, heal, or provide. We're going through a situation. We don't believe he's going to step in, and so we may take matters into our own hands. So let me give an example of how this may all overlap together. So we say, God, search my heart for fear and anxiety. We realize, oh, I have anxiety that this situation's not going to get worked out. In our pride, we take matters into our own hands. We try to fix it in our own strength. We act in self-sufficiency because we don't believe the lie that we're believing is that God won't intervene. He won't fix. He won't heal. He won't provide. So I got to do it in my own strength. And so we act out of pride in response to the anxieties we're feeling. Make sense? Doesn't mean we are not faithful to do our part in certain situations, but that's why we need God to search our hearts. God, show me. Am I being faithful and responsible, or am I taking matters into my own hands because I don't believe that you're going to act here? Am I trying to fix that person in my own strength because I don't believe that you can work on their heart? It, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and show us and to help us discern what's going on. That's why it's a prayer. Next broad category, number four, last one, last, last big category. Search me for idols. Things that have become too important. Things that we have elevated above God, and now we look to that as a source of fulfillment, meaning, worth, identity. Idols can take many forms, come in different shapes. There are uh, unhealthy activities. These are activities that are always unhealthy. Illegal drugs, pornography. You don't do those in moderation and say, that's okay. They're always unhealthy. But then there's healthy activities. Pursuing uh, uh, your career, money, sports, food, alcohol. Those things can be healthy in moderation, but when they are consuming us, when we're obsessing over them, when we run to them too much, they become an idol. They become an object of worship. And then it gets polluted and it gets distorted. Belongings were consumed with. Boats, cars, trucks, houses. Our landscaping. You ever notice, we're working on some renovation stuff in our house. You ever notice once you start working on something and you give your attention to an area, um, all of a sudden you can get obsessed with it and you start to see what's wrong in like, like now, now I can't look at my house without seeing 10 things wrong with it. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix that. And then I drive past somebody else's house. Oh, man, I wish we had that. It's a slippery trail to go down, right? You ever notice that? How about your phones? If you can't put your phone down for a couple hours in a day or you can't you know, give up your phone for a day out of the week or even a day out of the month, it might because you're, be because you're addicted to whatever you're getting from it. It's become an idol. Maybe you're going back to the, one of the first categories with pride. You're desperate for attention. Well, how do you get attention? Social media. Who gives you access to social media? Your phone. So your phone becomes the idol because it gives you what in your pride you're longing for and you're craving for and you're trying to grab. 
I need attention, I need attention, I need attention. My phone. So I can't put my phone down for a few hours because that's going to cut off access to all the pats on the back I keep getting. See how that works? So we need to break that and go, God, push that away. How about people we expect too much from? That's another category of idols. We can take people. People are good in moderation. <sighs> but when we expect too much from them, when we want them to tell us who we are, give us our worth, give us our sense of identity, they can become an idol. We look to our boyfriends and girlfriends for this. We expect too much from them. Maybe it's we don't have one, but we think if I only have a boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'll feel like I'm somebody. Maybe it's even our spouses that we can expect too much from. An indicator of that is when we look at other spouses and go, oh, why can't he or she be more like them? It's a pretty good indicator that we think God's holding out on us, and only if we had a better spouse, I'd be happy. Our kids, we make idols out of our kids. We want our kids to always like us because that makes us feel like we're, we're doing good as parents. Or if our kids are getting into trouble, it could be a reflection on us. Oh, no, people are going to think I'm a bad parent. Oh, no, what's so-and-so going to think? What's, what's the other uh, parents on the PTA going to think when they find out my kid just got suspended? It's a sign that we're using our kids. When you worship your kids, you don't love them correctly. We worship God so that we can love our families. When we worship family members, things break down and they get weird. That's how codependency creeps in. At the root of codependency is idolatry. Goals that have become obsessions. Goals are good. Goals can become idols. I, I don't remember which, which um, actor it was, but um, they were talking about their desire to be on Saturday Night Live as a young comedian. And they, they had said, if I don't make it to Saturday Night Live by the time I'm, um, it was something like 25, then I'll kill myself. Whether or not they were being serious or not or exaggerating, their point was, I needed this. This is what would make me feel like I'm whole, like my worth or, or like my, my life is, is justified, my existence is justified. Chasing money is not a bad thing if we have godly goals for our money. But there's a point. Jim Car Carrey famously said, I wish everybody could be rich for at least a season so that they know it doesn't do it. It doesn't make you happy. Now, those are four broad categories that we can search our, uh, ask God to search our hearts for. Fear and anxiety, lies that we're believing, pride, idols. Search my heart, God. Show me what's going on in here. Let me give you some practical tips now. All right? Practical tips for how do we, how do, we do this. You guys ready? These are just four. Just four practical tips. You ready? All right, all right, all right. If you needed a minute, I was going to give you a minute. Number one, use stillness, silence, and solitude. So if you wake up in the morning, you say, God, search my heart. Get away. Give God some space to, do, to show you. If you jump right into your day, you might be saying to God, I kind of want to know, but I don't really have time for that right now. But if you sit, be silent. Like, I, I, I wake up and I have to, like, at least open the front door if it's winter. If, if, if not, sit on the porch and just kind of listen. Hear the birds, see the squirrels, see the bunnies, and say, God, what's going on in my heart right now? 
before I jump into scripture, I need to do this. Because otherwise, like I said earlier, I will end up reading the Bible like it's an encyclopedia, you know, check it off the list. I need to say, God, what's going on in my heart? I need stillness, silence, and solitude. And I know some of you guys are thinking, well, I need to have my praise worship going on. Worship music, music is great. We obviously sing together. Um, but I would just submit to you that it's possible that if you always have to have worship music going in order to have time with the Lord, you might be calling it praise when really it's an addiction to stimulation. If you can't be in silence, there might be an issue there. It might be, you might, it might be a way of kind of hiding those anxieties. Get away, get alone, get still, and get silent. Say, God, what's going on in my heart? Number one. Number two, use scripture. Scripture is important. We just got to make sure we're allowing scripture to read us, not just us reading it. So when we say, God, search my heart and ask God to use his word to act as like an MRI, a, a body scan. Do, 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 finding areas where like, ooh, yeah. We're going through Proverbs. Uh, we're going to be going through Proverbs. So I've been going through Proverbs. I've been uh, going through it uh, two or three times in the last few months just kind of in preparation, reading for August. And um, one of the most uh, popular Proverbs, many of you know this, a gentle answer turns away wrath. I've just been meditating on that lately. And um, I find myself reading it and then saying, Lord, where am I not gentle? Where am I not gentle? And then God is faithful to search my heart and he brings to mind times and certain people where I have not been gentle lately, where I have been short with one of my kids, or I was uh, uh, not gentle in a meeting with someone because, if I was honest, I was being defensive, right? One of the reasons we're not gentle is because we're defensive. we got to be right. And so God is faithful to show me using Scripture. We've got to allow Scripture to read us, monitor us, scan us, Point things out to us. Use scripture. Number three, use journaling. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking journaling is like a diary, and diaries are for seventh grade girls. Well, hold on a second. That's not true. If <laughs> journaling is for everybody, otherwise, we wouldn't have the Psalms that we have, like the one we just read. Right? David journaling, writing down his thoughts and his feelings. His prayers to God. Lamentations is another example. Someone wrote it down. Here's how journaling helps me. Journaling is like a tool that allows me to hear from God in a more focused way. Because as I'm writing, I'm more focused. I'm being more focused. You, you, ever, you ever take notes in a meeting? Like you act as secretary for a meeting? You, you can't daydream like you can when you're not the one taking notes or minutes. Right? You ever notice that? You're like, wait a second. Oh, hold on. Go back. What did you say? That? I got I to take this down. It, it forces you to focus, and journaling helps you to process, helps me to process my thoughts in a, in, a, in a deeper way. I've just realized I can hear from God more when I'm journaling than when I'm not. Not because God's not speaking. It's because I'm giving him space to help me focus and process what's going on. Gentle answer turns away wrath. As I'm reading that, I'm, I wrote it out. 
Why am I not gentle? And things are coming to me, and I'm writing down names, areas, times, ugh, things I need to repent of. And then the last one, the last practical tip is use community. Use community. So we ask God to search our hearts, okay? God puts people in our lives, a spouse, our kids, a neighbor, a life group, accountability partner, and sometimes something they say will be an answer to us asking God to search our hearts. Maybe it's something indirectly, like they bring up their own struggle with pride, and we say, ooh, I think I struggle with the same thing now that you've mentioned it. You ever, ever, ever had that happen to you? Sometimes it'll be because they say something directly to you. They'll bring it up in a gentle way. They're like, hey, listen, you know, maybe you're dealing with that anxiety because you're taking matters into your own hands. Maybe it's because control has become an idol. Oh, man, thank you. I've been asking God to search my heart. You're faithful. One of the, another proverb, the, the, the wounds of a friend many, uh, are better than the kisses of an enemy, something like that, right? It's like, yes, thank you for the faithful wounds of a friend to point something out to me. Now, sometimes, here's the catch. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. This is it. I'm going to end here after, after this. Listen. Sometimes we ask God to search our hearts, and somebody comes along at the wrong time, with the wrong tone, and seemingly with the wrong motives. And what's our temptation in that, those times? I ain't listening to a word they're saying. Wrong time, wrong tone, wrong motives. Uh-uh. And all of a sudden, our focus goes on them and all that they did wrong. And whatever they had to say to us, we're like, it's irrelevant. Thrown out of court because you came at me in the wrong time, wrong tone, wrong motives. You ever have that happen? People can be annoying. People can be jerks. People can lack discernment and awareness. They can't read a room. But here's the thing. If we're asking God to search our hearts and we're sincere about it and we want to grow and we want more freedom, then even if somebody comes at us with the wrong tone, in the wrong time, with the wrong motives, then we can at least say, you know what, God? Can you show me if anything they said is true? I can focus on that fact that they came at me in the wrong time, in the wrong tone, but can you just show me, Lord, is there anything that they said is actually true? Years ago when I was living in L.A., I, I, came home, I remember I came home from an evening service. This was like 2006 or 7 at our church. Um, I think I was on staff at the church at the time, so it had to be like 2007. I came home from an evening service to an email from some girl saying, I've decided after all this time to forgive you for what you did to me. And it was a long email. And it kind of implied that I kind of like led her on or something. And I was like, what is she talking about? Like I was just like clueless. I was like, where is this coming from? And so here's what I did. I was wrong for doing this. But I asked a few friends. I was like, can you, can you look at this? This is crazy. And they're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. God, don't even worry about it. That's just crazy. That's messed up. That's manipulative. She doesn't even say what you did. That's just messed up. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, I think it was actually Jeff at the time. He was, I was reporting to him, and he was my friend. I was like, hey, listen, can you? And he was like, and I think he told me, if I remember correctly, why don't you ask a girl? So there was a girl I was working with, and I trusted her to be honest. And I said, hey, you think any of this, like, would this make sense of this? And she was like, well, here's the thing, Chris. <laughs> and she pulled up. I don't know if it was Facebook or MySpace at the time, something. There was a photo of people from church at like an event. She was like, look at this photo. 
you got your arm around these two people. He's like, she's like, you're always touching people, girls and guys. She was like, I know you. You just touch everybody. But you're giving some girls the wrong, you're a single guy, you're giving them the wrong impression. And then when you seemingly ignore them, they're going to be hurt. You got to work on that. And I was like, there's some truth. So there's some truth to an email that came at the wrong time, in the wrong tone, maybe with the wrong motives. I don't know. But there was truth to that that I had to work on, I had to deal with. So, at that, here's what we're going to do together. We're going to put this into practice for a few minutes. We're going to read this, this psalm together. And then we're just going to, I'm going to call a band up. If we can just give it some reflection music. And we're just going to walk through these four categories uh, just for a moment. But let's read this together. Can you guys read this with me out loud? I know it's a humid day. Let's, let's engage with this. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If God is God, and the Holy Spirit's living in us, He's going to be faithful to show us. You give him the time, the space, the focus, the attention. So let's do that right now for a few minutes. Just going to click through these broad categories. Are there lies that we're believing about you right now? I ask that you really show us. Are we believing a lie that you're not good, that you can't satisfy? How about the lie that you're holding out on us? 
and merciful do I really believe that I can come to you even after I mess up and sin and screw up and that you're full of grace or do I shy away do I think that I have to make it up God show me reveal it to us about the fact, the lie that I, you can't redeem. Do we believe that lie that you can't redeem this situation, this circumstance, this relationship, this pain, this hardship? idols that we are clinging to. Is there anything that we have become too consumed by, too obsessed with? Whether it's possessions, goals, people in my life, anxiety or fear because I am having one of my idols threatened right now. Lead me, lead us, lead our church community in the way everlasting. We want more freedom. So God, search us, expose us, help us repent, and lead us in the way everlasting where there is greater freedom, greater joy, greater fulfillment. Let's stand.